Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Here we go. Belonging is number three on Maslow's hierarchy of need. We all learned it. So you need, first you need physiological things. You're like, you know, food, clothes, and shelter, and you need safety. Then comes love and belonging. You know, we all know how important interpersonal uh, relationships and group relationships are. Your family is absolutely paramount in your development. That's why God gives you a family first. You know, but as much as you know, and I know that belonging is critical um, for your success and your happiness and your well-being in life, so does the marketers of the world. And they're trying to get you to join everything because they know belonging and membership is everything. In fact, membership is ownership. And everyone wants to be an owner of something. You know, I... I, I, I saw someone um, have, I thought it was amazing, even though a million followers is a lot, but it's not a whole lot, you know, considering people have a lot more uh, followers. But if I had a million followers, I would be saying, I've, I have a million. They have me and I have them. And when you think about social media, which I'm being tuned into all of the time, I'm being taught, I'm being mentored in social media, there are times when you go and, and you want to get into uh, to a page or something and it says private. And if it says private, that means, Taylor, somebody has to review you and then say, I want you to and let you in. I got in a private page. Hallelujah. And then... To follow somebody is one thing. Pastor Bruce, you're not on social media. It's okay. I can teach you. Um, it's one thing to follow people, Pastor Bruce, on social media. But when you get followed back, you belong. You belong to them. They belong to you. And it says, I care about them. And they say they care about me. And it's good. See, becoming a member or a part of a group it's, it's important, but you know what? It's also become easy and less personal. It's just a wink, a click, a hand raise away, and all of a sudden, you're in. You know what you get. You know who you get it with. You, 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 you know all your benefits. And we will all do whatever it takes to be a member or belong, especially when there is benefits for signing up. Y'all, I get my gas at Kroger's. Why? I have a Kroger's plus card. Costco card. I'm a member of Costco. Hallelujah for the Costco saints in here right now. It's, It's just fun when somebody gives you something. And then there are people who ask you to be a member or to belong to stuff, but they actually didn't think it through. I'm not stopping at the airport credit card, sign up for just a t-shirt that's too small, asking too much for too little. You've got to be giving me something that I like 
for me to belong. Now, this next one is kind of funny because I believe that we've all had this if we vacation. For that little $100 gift card, we have signed up during our vacation to hear a presentation of something we don't want. And we think we're going to get out of it. We have signed up for the $100 gift card or a timeshare that will be with you sharing your money for the rest of your life. <laughs> Sign-ups, they can cost you, even if you're not aware of the cost. You know, one of the things that makes a salesman good is their ability to present you with all the things you want before they show you the cost. Nobody would just leave with the cost. That costs $100. You know, you ever go in a car lot and, 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 you, and they don't have the prices on the stuff? And you're mad because you know they're playing a the game. You know the price of your car before I showed up. Why do you even put that up? Because the price is determined upon your ignorance or your... But it's always a cost. You know, when we get to the end of the presentations in the world and somebody tells us, now my product costs this, it can be frustrating. If I tell you today that there'll be uh, offering taking at the end of this message, your anxiety level will go up and you will consider leaving the service. At some point, you go to the bathroom but not come back. Because, you know, you have to warn the saints when you're going to have that message about cost. But today I... I believe I am going to give you an opportunity to be a member and sign up. And potentially it could cost you something, but let Jesus be the one through the text that we're going to pick today that explains to you the cost. And perhaps bigger than the cost, the benefit. Let's see it. Let's look at Luke 14. Let's start at the um, 25th verse. Let's see how we go here. When you have it, say amen. Yeah, see, counting on the screen. All right, here we go. Now, great crowds accompanied him. I want you to know that Jesus was a person who, who had a crowd with him all the time. Jesus was a walking storyteller he was a great rabbi to many, uh, a great teacher. Um, he was benevolent. He was kind. He was always healing. He was always doing miracles. He was feeding people, caring for people. He had a lot of fame. It's like, it's like you know, hearing that Jesus is around makes you, you want to come around. There's whispers that he perhaps might be the Messiah. People want to be around him or be with him. Isn't that cool? Isn't that one of the things that happened at church? We know that Jesus is here, and so we want to come to church in the South. We want to be with Jesus and people who, who like Jesus. It's a cool thing to be a part of a fellowship. They were walking along with him. I want you to note something, that they were walking with him or accompanying him. They weren't following him. We're about to see the distinction between those who just walk with him and those who follow him. And he turned and said to them these words in verse 
26. And I want you to know this turning is, is, is Jesus trying to set a crowd in order. And he's about to bring some articulation to them that says, I know you like me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm known for doing some things that are pretty phenomenal. And if I were you, I would hang out where I am. But I think you think your proximity to me means that you're also surrendered to me. And I want to make sure we clear it up that you and I might not be on the same page once I tell you what the cost is to my membership. So Jesus turns to them. He's confronting a group of people with the truth, and this truth is going to be hard. And before you think about Jesus speaking to a crowd that has nothing to do with you, I beg you during this message to almost consider yourself a member in the crowd and see if the message that he's saying is applicable to your life. Here's what he says. If anyone, that would include me, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, his sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. You see, if I was going to give you a tag for the first point, it would be following Jesus to be his disciple cost you relationship. It's going to cost you relationship. Now, I don't want you to think that Jesus is a cowboy and, a, and, and so wild that he would just throw around terminology that had no meaning. He, he, he knew and they knew that the context of what he was saying is, you've got to, in comparison to me, everything else has to wane. You have to abandon everything else for me. And if it was a choice between your mother or your father or your sister or your brother or your wife and me, you would choose me. There is no one who actually follows Jesus or comes to Jesus to be a disciple or to surrender their life or to, to make him Lord of your life. There's no one who actually comes to him and doesn't have to deal with their familial ties. When you actually realize that Jesus lives a life different than the human character, characterized life, he's just not trying to just get by. He's, he's not just uh, uh, on the planet working a job to pay some bills, to have a house and have a car and eventually maybe perhaps go on vacation or to acquire some type of status. His life is full of much more purpose to that. And when you want to engage Jesus as a disciple, you get his purpose and that becomes more prominent than your family's objective for your life. Because your family, there are people in here right now who family desire for them to go to medical school, but God wanted them to go into ministry. In fact, maybe they have paid for medical school and they're still needing to go into ministry. Now, I got a feeling of what my mama would say. And if her carnal mind was alive versus her spiritual mind at the time, she said, baby, now I know Jesus wants you to do something, but we already done paid for you to be a doctor. And baby, you've got to do that. There's going to come a time where a spouse may give you the list of things that can make your earthly life great if you spent the right amount of time in those things, but yet Jesus could be calling you to spend time with your neighbor that you don't even know if they're going to actually say yes to the Lord. 
the time you could have been making money, the time that you could have been invested in education, the time that you could have been hanging out, doing leisurely things with your family. He might actually ask for that time. Before my lovely wife came into my life, y'all know I used to tell the story about the girl that I was, was dating before her. Y'all remember her name was? It was Tracy. <laughs> Bae, just, I just want you to know, you know, already, just, I got to tell it, but you know, you won, you won, okay, you won. <laughs> I brought Tracy a Bible, a cross, a Fred Hammond worship CD. I brought all this stuff to our dorm room, and you know, her intentions were still ungodly. And I remember Tracy saying to me, I like that you saved, but you too saved. And, 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 and the question is there for me. Is the relationship with this girl who's quite friendly toward me greater than my relationship, my sanctification, my discipleship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? A question is asked in the middle of me having this relationship, how prominent is it? How powerful is it? Because if I want to be a follower, if I want to be a disciple, if I want to cross over, Jesus can't be just named among the things in my life. He's got to have the chief spot, the prominent spot, the preeminent spot, the highest spot, and everything else has got to fall up under that. You know, sometimes we think about what we lose, we forget what we gain. Now, I lost Tracy. Gain Debbie. Now, but wait, let's, let's make it practical. In your relationships, you might lose some people who mean something to you. But the Bible says, no man having left father, mother, sister, brother, lands, cow, for my sake and the gospel shall receive in this life a hundred times in, in mothers and a hundred times in fathers, a hundred times in brothers. You're never going to outgive God. He says, it's the members of your own household who will be adversarial toward you. Let's go back to this crowd because I don't want to forget this crowd is stuck on fellowship. They signed up for fellowship. They thought the cost of being around Jesus was, was minimal. Jesus might be our guy. Let's just kind of hang out. He's going the same direction I'm going. It's convenient. Bethel's location is convenient. Bethel's building is convenient. The children's set up is convenient. Coffee bar look like it's coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's some all right Christianity in the South going on in the Bible belt, buckle belt. Yeah, hallelujah. Comfortable Christianity, you can walk with him, doesn't mean you surrender to him. He starts saying stuff. Like you, 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 your mom's into witchcraft. So I don't want you to go and participate in what she's doing. I want you to reprove what she's doing. It will cost you. It will cost you. He said the members of your own household 
could be the very people who is your adversary. And he said the people of the crowd, Jesus was walking to Jerusalem, they were walking to Jerusalem, and Jesus said one day this crowd is going to say, we were eating with you. We were in your presence. And he's going to say to them, depart, I didn't know you. And I know that we sometimes think that this message is for a group some far, far away in some galaxy far, far away. But perhaps Jesus was speaking to a crowd that was mixed. And I'm speaking to a, a room that is mixed with pure disciples and people who are only thinking about walking with them. Just like we like the way Christians are going. We like the wholesomeness, the morality. They have things that are positive for the kids. And there it is. But I want to leave you with a piercing thought on point one, because remember, let's, let's, let's review our point. Following Jesus to be his disciple will cost you relationships. It'll cost you relations. He told his disciples, and, and look, look what he told his disciples. This is, these are the people who did say yes. Let me show you how he talks to them. In verse Matthew 10, I can't find it, but I can quote it if I don't find it. Oh, here, 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 here you go. Here's a, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a mother-in-law against a, uh, uh, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more is not worthy of me. Whoever loves his son or daughter more is not worthy of me. Whoever does not, okay, that, that, that's some harsh language. You know, the world tells you that Christianity is light, it's easy, low maintenance. No one tells you in the membership class or at the guest reception or here at the altar, hey, I want you to know this choice you're making to be a follower of Christ is going to cost you the thing that's most precious to you, the family you belong in, the clubs you belong in, your sorority. Oh, I pledged too long to be giving that up. Well, I don't know. What are, what are they doing? What are they about? Are you sent there to reprove them or to join them? Oh, y'all being quiet now. I will walk down your street, park my car, and sit here. Y'all better amen me or something. <laughs> don't, sit, don't let me know that I'm, I'm in the right spot. I will park the car. Don't start getting offended because there's more to get offended about. You, don't, you want to save that offense for these other points. <laughs> Let's look at point two. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Bear your own cross. You know, this is not Jesus having a moment where he is uh, necessarily blatantly proclaiming the way that he is going to die. This has not been full-heartedly revealed in this blunt type of way. He's speaking a language that this group of people will understand being Roman 
occupied. They understand crucifixion. They understand crosses. And they understand that the suffering that comes from a person being on a cross. When he's asking you to bear your cross, he's asking you to suffer. No one that is actually sentenced to death on a cross and having to carry their cross to the point where the execution will actually take place is anything less than committed. They know that there's no turning back. Then every step forward is a closer step to their death. He wants you to be committed to following him to that point of death, even the death of a cross. You, 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 you can't be afraid of, of what he's going to ask you to suffer. Now, I tell you, in church, they don't teach you this in membership class. They don't tell you this at the guest reception, that it's going to not just cost you relationships. It's going to cause you a little bit of suffering. Because my point, too, is make, making it very clear. Following Jesus to be his disciple involves suffering. What part of the cross that you have hanging around your neck does not help you remember that this is an instrument of execution? Somebody is tormented and humiliated on this. The cross was given to those who uh, were the lowest criminals and, and, and people who should be shamed. He's telling you that you're going to be following me is like being the worst scum of the earth. Because they're going to treat me like this. You're going to suffer. How many going to sign up for that? It's a little sign up for suffering in the back when you're on your way out. If you get a pen and a couple of cars and you say, I sign up for suffering tomorrow, you can suffer on Mondays or Tuesdays, but you'd say on Fridays I'm not available to that. But you know, you know what Jesus says? He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. This type of suffering I'm talking about is every day of your life, dying to your will, dying to your flesh, dying to whatever you stimulate you, dying to what your family wants, dying to what society wants, dying to what your ethnic group wants, dying to what your political party wants, dying to what your nation wants, dying to what your, 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 your uh, social economic status dictates and your tax bracket dictates that you need to get it. You got to die to absolutely everything. Bible says mortify the deeds of the flesh. Your your fleshly proclivities. Maybe you have to die to your adulterous living, your lustful living, your same-sex attraction. I don't know what you got to die to, but you got to put it on the cross and die. Maybe you just tell little white lies. Maybe you tell big lies. You got to put it all on the cross. All of it counts. All of it counts. You got to die to it. I know the devil will tell you whatever you want to do. You know what? That's the, well, that's the first commandment in the uh, book of Satan. No, it's, it's true. Do what thou wilt. That, that's Satan's doctrine. Uh-uh, I'm American. Don't nobody tell me what to do. I, you know, I, I know they want us to do the purple book. I don't have time for that. Leave somebody else. I'm trying to leave myself. Who told you that sitting or walking with Jesus to Jerusalem was going to excuse you from the cost of being his real disciple. Who told you that you could just blend in like y'all together just because you're walking in the same direction and you like the comforts that he's providing? Who told you just because you're going in the same direction and you're the same proximity that that was enough? You got to pay the cost. Relationships, suffering, we were with a man last night from Egypt who was bringing us home in a taxi cab. And I was asking him, you know, how I was just trying to be hospitable and say, I'm just glad you're in this country. He said, I love America. You know, right now it's funny to find 
somebody who say they love America. You know, I say, you do? He said, America is the greatest country in the world. I said, man, I, I said, I want you to tell me why. I said, is it because the land of prosperity? He said, no. He said, I would like to be in America if I was broke. In fact, he said, you couldn't pay me 16 million, which is a, a million U.S., 16 million in Egyptian currency, to go back and tell me I own half the country. I still wouldn't go back. I said, why? He said, because there is no religious freedom. He said, I can't freely worship Christ. I said, can you be more, can you explain more? He said, I said, because, you know, we all suffer persecution. I'm thinking, you know, we all suffering. You know, maybe he was being a little pious. Like, I was like, you know, you can make it anywhere. And I started hearing. He said, oh, no. He says, when you put on your driver's license, you say you have to put on there whether you're a Muslim or a Christian. He said, if you put down that you're a Christian, he said, your opportunities are capped. Your life is available for persecution. The police can hold you without cause. He said, they bombed a church with 38, uh, uh, 37 Christians in it. He said, no one was prosecuted. He said that they killed, the guard was a Muslim, he died, and they said they prosecuted him for only the one death. He said, because you're doing people a favor when you kill Christians. He said, you couldn't pay me to go back. I said, well, our earthly carnal mind, you know what your carnal mind thought of? I'm going to tell you what happened to your brain. Don't put Christian on your license. Then you can be a closet Christian that just, you, it's, it's, it's just perfunctory, you know. But he showed me what carrying his cross every day looked like. He said, if you're, God said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Who told you? that you didn't have to carry a cross on your job. Who told you because they told you you, that the gospel is not something that they wanted, that you were not obligated to communicate the gospel? Who told you that? Let's just stop. Who told you that? It was not Jesus. Because he's turned into a crowd of people telling, hey, pick up your cross. Following me is a way of suffering. It's a way of death, but, but, but it's okay. I, I, I do the same thing. Who told you that Christianity was designed to be a life of convenience? They have lied to us. I'm, I apologize if I've been a part of the lie that told you we were supposed to be in ease and comfort and only preach the scriptures that were about blessing and blessed only, always blessed, bless, 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 bless me. We, it, it, well, I don't even time. but it's just kind of like we look at every scripture is a scripture that's, that we retell the story and we take all the bad parts out. Nothing bad's going to happen to us. It's not that bad. People don't actually die and go to hell. He doesn't say depart. In fact, I heard one preacher say hell is not real. It's all in your mind. See, that's the kind of stuff that's going to mess you up real bad. Suffer. 
Following Jesus to be his disciple involves suffering. Starts asking a question to us. The next verses are a question to us. A question is in a story form. But it is a question. It is a question that I believe Jesus was not just asking them. He's asking us right now. Verse 33. No, 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 verse 28. For which of you, here's the question, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. This is a voluntary action. No one's forcing this action. This is probably building some form of a farm or farmhouse or something or a tower where you can see, the, see your adversary's enemy. This is a, a worthy in, in, endeavor, endeavor. Verse 29, otherwise, when you have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to be a disciple. This man began to be a Christian. This man began to be a follower. This man began to build and was not able to finish because he didn't count the cost because someone told you it didn't cost very much to be in the faith. Someone told you that you were going to have your cake and eat it too, right here, right now. That's true to a degree, but, but it's not quite how we think. And I want to explain that in the end. Verse 30 says, Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him, or with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he will send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. This is involuntary. In other words, the man couldn't control that another army is coming against him, but he still had to sit down and count. This count is a deliberation, and it's a very deliberate act. It is, it is getting down to the minuscule. It's, it's an accurate accounting. This is not like a, the way we round up math. How much do you have? You have 99 cents, you say you have a dollar. This is not round up math. This is accurate math. Do you have enough? Perhaps the question to each of us, whether we have come to Jesus in a voluntary way, or Jesus has happened upon us, the question is, do you want to do what it takes to be his disciples? Because he ends this third section with a real punctuated point. He says, anyone of you who does not renounce all cannot be my disciple. Now, if you thought the relationship and the suffering was something, he says, everything you possess it's my, my third point is clear. Following Jesus involves counting the real cost to be his disciple. Counting the real cost to be his disciple. You know what that cost is? Everything. Who told you 
Well, I, I'll keep my secrets in. I'll, I'll keep my mind. I'll keep this. I'll keep that. Uh, no, no. See, when you count the cost, you do what we all did when we first believed and we had that new believer's energy, the one that gets a trash bag and every accursed thing in your life, every accursed thing in your house, everything that displeases God, every totem, every idol, every lustful thing, every gluttonous thing, everything just goes into bed. You just start throwing things away because you're not the owner of it anymore. He possesses everything. He said, that's not to be associated with me. Who told you he wasn't involved in every one of your selections? If you live for you long enough, you'll think it's okay. I apologize again if somebody didn't tell you the cost of discipleship is everything. Maybe today you're stuck at the fellowship phase. That's where the crowd was. Dare I say that's where the church is. Dare I say, this is where this church is. We love the fellowship. You might say, Pastor James, you're going too far. Well, the reason I can say it is because when you're a follower of Christ, you start saying stuff like this, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives within me. The life I now live, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. In other words, I, I, I'm living to be on mission with him. I'm living the fish with him. I said it last week, I'll say it again. They used to say, never come to church without your Bible, an offering, which is an act of worship, or a fish. See, that's what obedient followers of Christ do. I'll end with this word picture in your head of Peter. Peter was no different than the crowd. It's just he had greater proximity than the crowd, but he hadn't made the decision fully yet. I feel like a lot of times we're like Peter. We've already started volunteering. We've already started, you know, doing a lot of the work. We can actually even preach it really good. God can actually do some stuff through our life, but they didn't have a surrendered heart. And Peter, Peter, Jesus was talking about he had to die. Peter said, Lord, Lord, if, even if you die, I, I, I'll, I'll go die with you. I'll die with you. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. As soon as they got to the garden, and now they're coming to arrest Jesus, what did Peter do? Pulled out a knife. Man, y'all wish y'all would touch Jesus. Took a man ear off. I told him last service if I could commentate on the scripture and if I if I could just be Jesus, how I would talk to Peter after that, I would say, "Man, what's wrong with you? You remember I taught you turn the other cheek if they slap you on one cheek. Say, man, you done pulled up. Who told you to bring the knife? Give me the knife. Give me the knife." Peter denies him. But Jesus says something to him earlier on in the Scripture. says, when you get converted, strengthen your brothers. Perhaps you're in here today, and as difficult as it is because you you could have been walking with the Lord and not following the Lord for a long time. It's it's hard, but at some point you want somebody to bring you into this truth. You could be walking with him. 
but not following him as a disciple. That means your life is not your own anymore. It's been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. That this whole text ends with he to have an ear, let it hear. If some of you might be struggling, let me conclude by giving you a, a little picture in your life. Maybe sitting in your cubicle or at work, you've heard those gentle whispers of the Holy Spirit to communicate the gospel, but you can't. To bring your Bible and just lay it out, but you can't. When you're in the Starbucks line, when you're hanging out, you hear the gentle whispers that says, be available for gospel reasons, but you can't. You haven't talked to your neighbor in the 10 years you've been there other than hello. You don't know where they, you, you, just, you just can't do it. God has asked you to break ties in ungodly relationships for far too long. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'm really right there. Holy Spirit just put my finger on that. He has asked you to break relationships that are holding you back from Him for so long. So long. You're in a repetitive pattern and you can't get out. Because to follow Him, you have to break your tie with ungodly relationships, no matter where they are at. Stop being afraid of suffering. For some of you, you know saying yes to him might mean if I say yes, he might send me on the mission trip field. I don't want to go on the mission field. How many times have I heard that? I don't want to say yes to the Lord. I don't want to send, send me anywhere. Well, you don't want to follow him. You, you cannot be his disciple if he cannot send you somewhere. You cannot be his disciple if he cannot send you somewhere. Well, I don't want to go into ministry. You cannot be his disciple if he cannot put you into ministry. I don't have any more time to get. You cannot. There, there, it's all or nothing. I apologize if somebody presented you with another gospel. It cost. Fox, it cost. Online, it cost. Church, it cost. And I'm going to tell you he's calling us to repent. I'm going to have Kristen come sing a song. It's the conclusion of the message. You can stand to your feet. In the beginning of the service, we were saying yes. The yes was personal. And some of you, you don't even, it, this is so piercing. You need to run to the altar. Not contemplate it. You need to break free. And I'm going to pray, and then she's going to start singing. And if you just need God to give you a renewal, if you know that this message has spoken directly to your situation, you need to get it right with Christ. Don't be ashamed. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the deliverer will truly deliver. Deliver us from us. Deliver us from fear. Deliver us from being named, having the right name but the wrong heart. We want to be followers of Christ, disciples. God, I'll pay the price. I'll surrender my life, my relationships. I'll give you everything. If you fit that description and you want to come and be ministered to by the Lord, just come kneel in the front.